Hey, uh, who's uh, has anyone ever? ever if, if, well, I don't even know if I should ask this question. It's far out. Um, are we on first kiss status here? You shouldn't be. Anyone have, anyone had a first kiss? A couple of you. Mariah, where's Sean? Can't. Yeah, she's. Ma How was your first kiss? <laughs> oh my gosh! I want to hear it now. Is that a good story? Is it worth telling? <laughs> I had the most awkward first kiss ever with Hannah. I was sitting on a couch and uh, with her. At she so she was in this travelling band. Hannah's my wife, right? And uh, just so, just in case she didn't know, I wasn't just kissing a random girl. So. So we <laughs> we were uh, we were at her band manager's house. This is in New South Wales, and we've been dating for ages. And uh, we hadn't kissed yet because I was too scared to kiss her because I didn't want to, you know, do anything sinful, right? Because I'm a good Christian boy. So so her band manager comes up to me. And she goes, he goes, um, he goes, have you kissed her yet? And I'm like, no. He's like, well, tonight's the night. It's like we're gonna we're gonna watch a movie, and then I'm I'm gonna sneak out of the lounge room and then give her a smooch. And I'm like, this is the most awkward, overproduced thing I've ever been a part of. And so we watch this movie, everyone leaves the room, and I'm sitting there, and I look at her, and I say, so, you want to kiss me? And you know what she said? She said no. And then as, so, she, so she sits there, and she's like, no. And so she moves further away on the other side of the couch, right? And then, then she says, well, okay, but don't kiss me yet. I'm coming in to just to give you a hug. So she slowly slides over the lounge, and then we have the most awkward kiss ever. It was so gross. There's saliva everywhere. It was disgusting, and, and she, I don't even think she enjoyed it. It was terrible. Uh, so we, we had this, um, maybe like your first kiss story, so gross. Um, so anyway, we have a funny thing of kissing, right? So we got married, uh, as you do, and we got married, and we were, one time we were in the lounge room, and... Uh, and I was looking at Hannah, and she was looking at me, and I thought, I thought it was a moment that wasn't actually happening. So I thought she was looking at me with these eyes of like, come on, I want to kiss you eyes. Like, like Sam, you are the most gorgeous man I've ever laid eyes on in my life eyes. That's the way I was interpreting the situation. So she comes leaning in, and she puts, she puts, she's got these little tiny little white hands. She puts them on my face, and, uh, and I'm thinking, here we go. Like, we're locking in for a big one. Like we're gonna, we are gonna kiss, and we're gonna kiss so well. We're married that it's gonna be airtight, like vacuum sealed. Like no air's coming in, no air's coming out. You could preserve food in there, right? That's what I was thinking. Like I'm thinking we're going for a big one. She comes in, and uh, and her hands on my face, and I start feeling this like this sensation on the side of my face, and it was kind of like grabbing. And I thought, man, she really wants to kiss me, right? But but then what I realised is she wasn't coming to kiss me. She was coming to pop a zit. And so, so she's there and she squeezes this thing and then there's all this blood starts coming out. She's wiping it on her hands and I feel absolutely rejected, right? I feel, I feel maligned. I feel rejected. I feel confused. I thought I was going to get one thing and then I got something completely different. You ever had something like that happen before? You ever had unmet expectations? Terrible. Absolutely horrific. Um, so, so I was like, you know, like an abused dog that's been like kicked and stuff, you know, and, and you go to pat it and it's like, it twitches because it thinks that you're going to hit it. That's what I was like every time she came to kiss me for like a year because I'm, th I'm thinking she's just going to, you know, pop something on my face. It's terrible, right? It, we have this thing. All of us have this, this expectation that 
to expect what we've always expected, right? That if it's been one way for long enough, that it's always going to be that way. But I believe tonight when we read the scripture and whenever we're empowered by God's spirit, whenever we're empowered by who he's called us to be, that we actually shouldn't be expecting what we've expected before, right? We should not be living our life in the way where we, we base our future expectation on our past experience. That God actually always wants to do, right, something new. He always wants to do something new. There's always something great that God wants to do through us. And I want to speak to you tonight about a guy in the Bible called Nehemiah. Everyone say Nehemiah. And Nehemiah is one of my favorite men of God in the Bible. God spoke to me about him when I was first starting out in youth ministry uh, in a place called Murray Bridge. And God gave me revelation around Nehemiah's life. And basically, I started to believe that maybe God could use me like he used Nehemiah, right? Nehemiah was used by God to do things that hadn't been done before, to do things in such a way that he was breaking new ground, that he was called to be a leader. He was called to change things. He was called to do it differently. As when God called me to ministry, I felt a revelation on my heart that God wanted me to carry an anointing and a spirit like Nehemiah that I wasn't called just to do what had always been done. See, we had youth ministry in a regional town just like you guys are. And for me, in our youth ministry, all of the language when I came in was this kind of negative language that you can't have a good youth ministry in a regional area, that God doesn't want to grow youth ministries in regional areas, that God doesn't want to do that kind of thing. That's just for the city. But I felt on my heart so strongly, I felt this burden, very much like the burden I know you have, Josh, to break the trends, to not live by what had always been done, but to believe that God could do something different in me and through me. And I believe tonight with all my heart that he has exactly the same desire for you, right? There's something so different about Nehemiah. So I want to read this to you. Nehemiah chapter 1, verses 3 to 4. Nehemiah actually wrote this book himself, and he speaks in first person. I really love it. It's different to every other book in the Bible because he writes about his feelings and what he did from his perspective. It's not someone else writing about him. It's him writing about him. And I love that. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 3 to 4 says this. So Nehemiah had these friends come to him with this burden, right? They were super upset because Nehemiah's hometown, right? Shout out to hometowns. Who's born and bred Port Lincolner, right? That's you. Okay. His hometown was a place called Jerusalem. And his hometown had been put to shame. Buildings have been broken down, walls have been destroyed, and the people were depressed, right? The people were in shame. The people were feeling like, man, we are never going to see anything good happen where we are. And so these guys, these three friends, came and they found Nehemiah because they wanted to tell him what had happened to Jerusalem. Like, yo, Jerusalem used to be cool and now it sucks, right? This place has gone to wreck. This place has gone to ruins, Okay. So we need to do something about it. This is what they came to me and they said. They said to me, the remnant there in the province who had survived the exile is in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and the gates are destroyed by fire. As soon as I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned for days. And I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. These guys who came to tell Nehemiah what had happened in Jerusalem, right, they traveled all the way from Jerusalem to find him and speak to him. This hits me so hard because here's the thing. These guys could have spoken to anyone about the problems in Jerusalem. They could have spoken to anyone. They could have found anyone to talk to, but they found Nehemiah. Why? Because Nehemiah 
was carrying something different. Nehemiah was a different kind of person. When they thought, who could fix this problem? Who could be used by God? What entered into their mind was, Nehemiah is a different kind of man. Nehemiah is a different kind of leader. Nehemiah is someone who wants to do something about what he's seeing. I would call Nehemiah an innovator, right? He was someone who did what no one else was doing, went where no one else was going, and built what no one else was building. There was something different about him. Nehemiah had the spirit and an attitude of an innovator. An innovator is someone who does what no one else is doing, goes where no one else is going, and builds what no one else is building. An innovator is someone who says, I don't care if no one comes with me, I'll go alone because I know it matters. An innovator is someone who says, I don't care how crazy it looks, I don't care how crazy it sounds, I don't care if it's never been done before, I'm going to do it anyway. The world has been changed by innovators. The world has been changed by people who dared to believe that things could be possible that were once thought to be impossible. It was an innovator who believed that we could fly when it had never been done before. It was an innovator who believed that you could have the internet on your phone, right? It was an innovator. Everyone that we know that's changed the norm once believed something that everyone else thought was impossible. Once did things that everyone else laughed at. And I believe with all my heart that if you're going to reach the city of Port Lincoln, that if you're going to change the world, you've got to become an innovation generation. You've got to have a mindset that thinks differently, does differently, looks differently, goes differently, builds differently. You can't just do it how it's always been done. God's calling us, and I believe this with all my heart, to be a generation of innovators. Here's the thing. I just think about this. Why was Nehemiah presented with this frustrating situation, right? The walls are broken down. The city is in shame. Everything isn't going well. And Nehemiah is presented with this situation, right? I would call this a frustration. The walls are broken down. It's frustrating. The people are in shame. It's frustrating. Nothing's moving forward. It's frustrating. Why is Nehemiah shown this frustration? Because he was the one who was called to fix it. He was the one who was called to change it. You might look at your school right now and be very frustrated by the atmosphere in your school. Maybe you say there's bullying in my school. Maybe you say I don't like the way people talk to each other in my school. Maybe you walk into your home and you think to yourself, man, I'm frustrated by the kind of things that happen into my home. Maybe you're here tonight and you know you've got so many friends who need Jesus so many people around you at your school that you just know need to have what you have and it frustrates you. You've been presented with this frustration. Let me tell you something tonight. Frustration is an invitation from God to bring innovation to your world. The reason you're seeing it is because you're the one who's called to change it. Your frustration is an invitation to change the world. If you can see it, you can change it. If it bothers you, you're the one who's called to do something about it. It's not the person next to you. It's not the person you're waiting for. It's not the person who's the most confident. It's not the person who's the most bold. It's you. If you've seen it, if it's come your way, if it's standing in front of you, let me tell you something, you're the one who's called to change it. You're the one who's called to do something about it. I don't know if uh, you guys have this, this thing, this experience I have all the time. Uh, I have this deep hatred 
A for Facebook Messenger. Who hates Facebook Messenger? Who hates group chats? I, whenever I get put in a group chat, I just want to kill someone, right? I'm like, just get me out of there, right? I hate it. It's so annoying. Um, but the worst thing about it, right, is is on my, on my phone, I can turn off the feature where you can see that I've read your text message, right? I can turn that off. But on Messenger, you can't turn it off, man. So as soon as you open that message, the other person knows that you've seen the message, right? And, and what, what happens is, is when... When you know that they know that you've seen it, you know you have to reply, right? So, so either you do one or two things. You ignore the message and do not open it because you don't want to reply right now, right? Or you open it and look like a jerk for not responding. Either way, it sucks, right? I hate it. I hate the scene feature. But, but this is the thing. I actually believe that there is a scene feature from God on your life, right? That he knows when you've seen a problem and he is expecting you to respond to it. You have one or two options. You either ignore it and you're a jerk to God and say, no, God, I'll wait for someone else. Or you actively respond to it and say, God, I know I've seen it. I'm going to respond to it. God, I know I've seen it. I'm going to do something about it. God, I know that you placed it in front of me so I can't sit on my hands any longer. I'm going to reply to you and I'm going to say yes. Yes, I will go. Yes, I will speak in my school. Yes, I will speak to my friends. Yes, I will speak to my family. Young person, leader today, you have to know something. No one else in this room but you is called to reach the people that are in your world. Josh is not called to grow this youth ministry. Do you know who he is? You. He's not in your school. He's not with your friends. God hasn't called your leader or your youth pastor to bring people to Jesus. He's actually called you to do it. If you've seen it, if you're there, it is on you. I love what Josh said before about believing that someday in this place, you're going to have worship like you saw on that screen, right? I believe that with all my heart, that this place, this room, can be filled with young people praising God, receiving salvation. Come on, people on this platform praising Jesus with a mighty sound of praise. I believe that with all my heart, right? I do. I've seen it happen. I know that God can do that in a place like Port Lincoln. I believe it with you. I'm standing with faith with you. But what has to happen is somebody in this room has to make a decision that it's on you. It's up to you to step out. And to do something for God. I want to challenge you this week, right? I'm, I'm just going to go hard. And I can, I can go hard because you're not going to see me again for another year probably. You are called to walk into your school and shamelessly invite people to come to this youth ministry. Because you know that they need Jesus, right? And nothing is going to change until someone gets a spirit on them like Nehemiah had, a spirit of an innovator who does what no one's doing, who goes where no one's going and builds what no one's building. Nothing is going to change until someone, some people in this room make a decision that they're not waiting for someone else. They know that God is waiting on them. But they're not going to ignore that message from God that has a scene feature on your life that you take responsibility and say, you know what? My friends need Jesus. You know what? If they're going to go to hell, they're going to trip over my body. 
everybody on the way. I am going to make sure that everyone in my world knows that Jesus is alive. I'm going to make sure that everyone in my world, I'm going to extend an invitation to every man and his dog. I'm going to invite pets to youth if I have to, right? And I'm going to put them on a seat so we can count them as someone who's here, right? I'm going to make a decision, right, to do what no one else is doing, to go where no one else is going, and to build what no one else is building. Can I just tell you today, it's on you. God is calling you. Your frustration is your invitation to change the world. Every frustrating thing in your life is an invitation from God saying, come on, come on, let's go, let's go. Jump in there, change it, do something about it, get in there. You know, when we were in Murray Bridge, we, um, we have this problem, and I don't know if you guys have similar things, haven't asked Josh about it, but in Murray Bridge, we had this problem where we just could not um, get into schools. As a youth pastor, I just could not get into schools. All the schools hated our church, right? They liked other churches, but ours was just, you know, a bad one for some reason. I don't know why. So we just couldn't get in there. So, so everyone else would go into schools and they'd split pancakes in the morning and, and talk to students and all this stuff. I just couldn't do any of it. And so I remember feeling so frustrated by the fact that we couldn't get into these schools, that we couldn't do something with what God was calling us to do. And I remember just racking my brain and praying about it and being like, God, why can't we get into these schools? And then one day I realized something, that this frustration was an opportunity for us to do something differently. That this frustration was actually an invitation from God to us, for us to start thinking outside of the box, for us to start believing that God could do something different through us, that we didn't have to do it how everyone else had done it. We didn't have to do school ministry like everyone else had done it. And so I'm praying and started to seek God. God, we've got to have something happen here. And then, as you heard on Friday night, a young man called Jesse went to Youth Alive Conference and he got a dream from God to do something in his school, right? And so what we had to do is rather than me thinking I had to go into a school and flip pancakes, I realized that God was calling us to do it differently. So we just started backing him and, and resourcing him and giving him money for pizza and giving him everything we could to set him up to win in his school. And before we knew it, right, one school had, had 80 young people gathering in a lunchtime classroom and then another school and another school and another school. And within six months, six schools in our region that we hadn't been able to break in through for year after year, suddenly we were in every single one and we had as many many people meeting together at lunchtime in their school as we did in our youth ministry during the week, right? What I realized was a barrier that we were facing was actually an invitation from God to believe that we could be used differently. And let me tell you, it wasn't a youth pastor who changed it. It wasn't a leader who changed it. It was a young person being willing to use by God, being saying, God, I will do what no one else is doing. I'll go where no one else is going. I'll build what no one else is building. I want to be an innovator in my generation. And I want to tell you today, you can do the same. God can use you to do something great for Him, right? You with me? I'm going hard, but I can. Because I get on a plane tomorrow, and you're not going to see me again for ages. So if you don't like me, it's all right. You'll forget by the next time you see me. But I'm telling you, man, I have such a burden for you because I know today, even if there was one or two of you that begin to believe that God could use you, anything is truly possible. Anything is truly possible. I just wonder today who it is in this room. I just sense this prophetically. I just wonder today who it is in this room and you hear stuff like this and it's like your heart just leaps out of your chest. It's like you know that you know that you know 
that God is calling you to stop living an average, ordinary life and to start having a spirit like Nehemiah that says, I will go and I will build and I will change the world for you. God doesn't need all of you. He just needs one of you. He doesn't need all of you. He just needs one of you. God isn't always looking for the 99. Sometimes he's just looking for the one. The one who will stand up. The one who will say, I'll go. So Nehemiah went back to Jerusalem. And he did crazy things. He rebuilt walls that everyone thought couldn't be built again. And he did it in a way that people had never seen before. He had people holding a hammer in one hand and a sword in the other. He was a crazy man. He did things so differently. And guess what? All this opposition came against him. But do you know what Nehemiah did? He never, ever gave up. He persisted and persisted and persisted until he saw a breakthrough that brought, that brought honor, that brought, oh, that brought honor, trying to say that correctly, that brought honor, that brought revival, that brought breakthrough to an entire city. And I wonder today which one of you is called to do that. I wonder today which one of you is called to believe that no matter what comes against you, God is with you and you can bring innovation to your generation. They, they got halfway through building these walls and enemies started coming against them and the Bible says that there was pressure to quit. There was pressure to give up. There was pressure to turn back. But Nehemiah's commitment didn't burn out. He didn't turn back. He went all the way for God and did not relent. Some of you today, you, you, you've, you've gone halfway. You've gone a quarter of the way. But tonight, he's calling you to go all the way. He's calling you to go all in. Some of you have tried and you faced opposition. I'm telling you tonight, you've got to keep going and not give up. Because God's called you to do it differently. I'm telling you, when we started doing this stuff, man, we faced so much opposition. Funniest thing that ever happened to us was that our youth ministry... There were these social media pages created in Murray Bridge. Our youth ministry was called Nova, and they were called Anti-Nova, right? And they'd post pictures of me, and they'd edit them and turn and make me look like an idiot. And put all these quotes about me and, and do all these stupid posts about us and, and try and convince people not to come to our youth ministry and call us a cult and all kinds of funny things, right? And you know what the crazy thing is? People were coming to me like, man, I want to, I want to just give up and I'm, I'm not going to talk about Jesus anymore. We're obviously doing something wrong. I'm like, no, 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 you don't understand. If you're facing opposition, you're not doing something wrong. You're doing something right. If you're facing opposition, you're doing it right. If no one knows about your Christianity, if no one can challenge the fact that you're stepping out for God, you're probably not living a Christian life. Right? It's only in the midst of being challenged that you know you're doing something right for God. If no one has ever picked on you for your faith, if no one's ever challenged you for your faith, your faith probably isn't public enough. And here's the crazy thing. If you will persist, you never know what's going to happen. Can I tell you a crazy story? The young man who started the Anti-Nova Facebook page and the Anti-Nova Instagram pages and all that stuff, he walked into our youth ministry a year after I left, right? And he actually got saved, right? And the craziest thing is, is he's actually a Youth Alive Academy student now in Adelaide, driving down every single week doing Bible college, and he wants to be a pastor. How mental is that, right? And, and, and here's the thing. If you will persist, if you will believe that God could use you and that you're anointed by God 
to be part of an innovation generation who will build what no one's building, who will go where no one's going and will do what no one's doing. God could do anything in you and through you and God could do anything in and through this youth ministry. I want to believe with you tonight that God's going to use some people here to make a significant impact in this city for Jesus. He loves you. He's with you. And you're called to do it differently.